Welcome to Real Estate Powerhouse, live on Tap Talks with your host, Talia Bashani, top real estate attorney and negotiation expert. This is your opportunity to get the inside scoop and hear straight from top real estate agents in the business. Broadcasting live from New York City, learn the secrets of their success and hear the most authentic, real, unfiltered stories about how they got to where they are today. From their wins to their failures to the biggest lessons of their careers and what keeps them rising to the top. And now, here is your host attorney, Talia Bashani. Hello, good afternoon, Nadia. Welcome to episode one of the Real Estate Powerhouse podcast. And I am so excited to have you in the building as my first guest today. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be so much fun. Okay, great. Well, we um, are excited to have you. So as you know, this podcast is all about honoring and shining the light on um, real estate powerhouse agents such as yourself. And we really want to get an idea of, you know, how you got started in the business, um, your background, what you know, got you started in real estate to begin with. So tell us a little bit about um, about that. So I started in real estate in 2003. I was in Westchester. Um, it was kind of one of those natural progressions. Throughout college, uh, as I was a psychology major. So while I was bartending to support myself, bottle waitressing, I knew there had to be an end game to it, right? But each time I would get uh, I would get these great jobs, but the hours and the pay just were they were not lining up. What happened is a lot of my friends at that time they were going into real estate and they were doing really well. And I knew I wanted to break out of. I mean, you can't you can't serve bottles for the rest of your life, right? So I wanted to give it a shot. I gave it a shot, and like. I, uh, the first brokerage I was with is um, Prudential Ram. They are based in um, Westchester right now. They're Better Homes and Gardens Ram Realty. And uh, first year in, Rookie of the Year. And I said, you know what? This this fits. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. And being that you're a psychology major and dealing with people day in, day out, I'm sure that really, you know, helps you, um, you know, win oh, yeah. deals, represent yeah. clients, negotiate oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. and all of that. Who would have thought I'd be using my uh, my psych uh, classes yeah. in my day to day life? Like the, I think there's a joke or a meme that's out there and it says uh, a real estate agent is a therapist who shows houses. you know you see it all and you're dealing with so many different people and they probably come to you with with everything Um, and you guys are really on the ground you know what I love about real estate agents is that you guys hit the ground running you know I know you personally you're a very hands-on dedicated agent um you get you know a lot of your clients end up coming back to you for repeat deals which is a testament i think you know to your skills and your personality and how how great you are um tell me a little bit about do you focus you know more on buyers or sellers do you have a sweet spot and what do you love most um about working with your clients so i don't have hmm, i don't have a focus on necessarily buyers or sellers right Uh, there's the, there's the transaction and then there's the person as a whole. 
So in real estate, uh, as much as it's a numbers game, it's a transaction game. As you, you know, me and you have worked together uh, often. And as you know, I do a lot of repeat business. So my buyer will turn around and be a seller. And that seller will end up buying again. So it's, um, I, I like, my goal and my goal has always been to work with people I love doing what I love. So with that, I have the skill set to do both. Uh, so I never really have seen myself limiting or saying I like, I prefer one over the other because both have different uh, paces and both have different needs. Uh, but in both of them, I give a hundred, you know, I like to say 110% to my clients because the communication, the pulse has to constantly keep going in order to, for them to feel like they're in the know and that they they know that I'm advocating for them. Yes. Okay. Excellent. And now other than your repeat referrals that you get, you know, from other clients, from past clients, um, what is another great you know, resource for your leads. So how do you get new clients? How do you generate new business for yourself outside of the referrals? Uh, outside of referrals, what's really been working for me lately is once I started branding myself on social media, I've gotten such great leads just via checking uh, people sliding in my DMs, me putting out an informational or a funny reel and somebody tapping in. Uh, also, I, you know, just in network, I think I give a lot to the people I work with. So whether it's, uh, an attorney or an inspector, a home inspector, or even people from, you know, the past. So again, yes, that's more referral based, but as far as, uh, you know, strangers off the interwebs, they have been very good to me. So that's, that's been my, um, my second top, uh, lead generator as of late. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and what do you think, what does it take for those agents out there that are really looking to get more into the luxury real estate market and the higher price points? Um, what do you think really sets you apart? Um, and what do you think it takes as far as skill set for those agents that maybe are starting out and really want to um, reach that higher level of, of price point? in the luxury market? So what I would say in as far as luxury goes, and here's the thing, I used to work when I was 21, and I've had a lot of jobs. I think <laughs> uh, when I was 21, I was working at Neiman Marcus, right? And at that time, Neiman Marcus was just, uh, I mean, we had our little black book of clients. And what I've learned about watching money and watching luxury is that it's not as uh, it's not as high up uh, as people feel. Like you have to like kind of be suited up, and you kind of have to like walk the walk. They say fake it till you make it. Um, what has gotten me into the luxury space is just me being like showing up as my authentic self. You know, like so I know my 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 IP, my intellectual property with real estate. Like I could talk real estate any time of day. But people don't want just a real estate agent. They want somebody that could fit into, like this transaction is like, we're, we're together three to whole month, six whole month. They want to be able to feel like they trust you. And another thing with luxury, whether it's celebrities or just somebody that has a great amount of wealth, 
is that they don't want their money to be uh, like, you no, know, you don't gasp. You don't act like, oh my gosh, it's so surprising. So once you deal with it as you would any other transaction and you use those dollars as a, as a matter of fact kind of um, conversation, because whether your budget is 10 million or 1 million, the needs are still the same. So the needs at $10 million may sound so extravagant, right? It might say the person who want, who has the $10 million house, they want a, a room that they could, you know, do yoga in. And you're like, well, you know, why? But you just have to know that this is what the client wants. This is what I'm going to get them. And and um, it, it's, it's worked for me. It, it's really just worked just talking in plain, everyday New York City. You know, I'm a New Yorker through and through. And you just talk to them at that level, and that's how you build trust. Yep. I love that. No, that's so true. And it's funny because they do say that a lot of times the higher-end clients, the one in the you know $10 million plus range, they're actually the easier clients. They're the <laughs> ones who don't need as much hand-holding because they don't have the time. They're like, look, just get the deal done. If there's an issue, if there's a fire, let me know. But otherwise, let's just get this deal to the closing table and you know, tell me where to wire my money, you know? So I've, I've seen that um, happen a lot in kind of like the higher end, but you're right. You know, the, um, the needs as far as making sure the transaction goes smoothly, um, obviously is still the same, but I love the fact that, you know, the, the more sophisticated the client or more successful the client, they really entrust you know, and you and in me, you know, to, to just see the deal to the end because we're the professionals and we're there to get it done. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, I completely agree with you on that. Right. Right. Um, now I want to hear a little bit about some crazy stories. You know, we all know in this business, we get crazy clients, crazy deals, um, things that you thought, you know, you can't even make this stuff up. Right. You know, it's like, things that may have just happened um, to you during the deal. I mean, obviously between you and I, you know, we've had our fair share of crazy stories and, and transactions that, um, you know, we're like, are you kidding me? You know, is this, are these people serious? But yeah, it really does happen. Um, you know, still every day, it's never a dull moment, especially um, in New York. But I want to hear from you um, what, you know, just something outrageous that took you by surprise or that you were like, I can't believe this is happening. Ooh, I have so many stories, but the funniest one, uh, I, you know, they say there's a story, there's a time that you could laugh about something when you look back at it. And I'm still not, I'm not at that, at that point, it's still a very sore uh, spot, but I'll tell you, I had, um, I had a listing in Bed-Stuy and it was one of those, um, uh, have you, it, I mean, you you know, the divorcing couple, right? Yeah, sure. So, it, you know, the wife wants to sell, husband doesn't want to sell, husband is basically, you know, squatting in one of the units oh. and showing anything was difficult. So, I mean, there are people who wanted to buy. So I said, you know what? I had it, I had it down packed. So I'm going to schedule five people all at once. I'm going to drive up demand, right? Um, I had, the two units that I knew I could show and I had everyone, they were all lined up waiting for me. So of course, this is the day I know I'm going to walk out with an offer. 
So we show the, you know, we show the units, everybody's happy. And then we walk outside and I look outside and there is a man sleeping on a comforter in the front of the home. Like looking around like, when did he get here? And um, the other agent, one of the agents that was with their client was like, "Uh, yeah, he was here when you came. Now, when I came, I came at a certain angle that I just, I, I, I really can't believe that I like literally did not see a full body laying on the floor, but that's, seriously, that's what happened. And I mean, so I, what happened? Did you wake him up or what? what no. So this is, what, what happened is this, the husband didn't want to sell and the husband was, you know, just being, it was just like. What can we do to make each other's lives the most miserable? So the husband basically hired like or got like a buddy to play homeless and sleep outside because, I mean, everybody's talking and this person never opened their eyes not one. I'm just like, but yeah, it was shenanigans it was shenanigans and confusion and chaos so So did that deal finally close i have to ask no no we had five offers at the last game never came to agreement then they switched they switched agents oh well guess what the agent who has the listing hasn't closed either closed you know, sometimes, yeah, those divorce cases are so tough because one of the spouses are digging in their heels if they have not come to an agreement on money. And obviously we know, you know, money is, is like always the, the root of any disagreement. Um, and he, they probably just never came to an agreement. Which is why when you're when taking on those listings with divorcees, make sure they have a settlement agreement in place. Um, that's what I tell you know all like uh, potential agents that are taking a divorcee deal because obviously you're spending so much time and resources and energy of your own, and the parties haven't even come to an agreement on the price. So it's like it makes your job that much harder. So much time. And and I thank you for giving that advice because I do have another one that's in tow. And this, I think the divorce cases are the ones where everyone just really, they, I mean, they, in, in, in the best way I can say that they really show their ass. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's right. insane. Yeah. I have another one coming up and the husband and the ex-wife are living in the same unit. Oh, they are. And he's remarried already. Oh, no way. But he won't vacate the property? Well, he's like, it's mine. And then she's like, well, I want half. And then it's just a messy. And, you know, the kids reach, the kids are the ones who reached out to me like, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And then you have, and then you have those deals where, like, the sellers never vacate and never want to move out, you know, (laughs) dragging and dragging uh, themselves, you know, and, um, Wasting money. Yeah, we had one of those. Uh, It's like weird. Are we being punked? Is there? I know. I'm seriously around the corner and what? Hopping out with a video camera. I know. It's right. Right. I mean, we could write a book. We definitely could about you know all of the crazy uh, New York 
real estate bestseller. Bestseller. <laughs> New York Times bestseller. Yes, precisely. Speaking of which, I would love to ask you because I love this question, and somebody asked me this, and I think it's a really cool question. So, if you were to write an autobiography um, on your life, what would you title that? Ooh. I know what I would title it. As I always say, I would call it the Renaissance woman. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I've I've had I've held so many hats, and all roads have always led back to real estate. Yeah. But all roads has also helped me just be that much better. If I just go down, like I mean, my top what is I don't know if it's my top five jobs. We've already said I've worked at Neiman Marcus. I was a bottle waitress. Yeah, I was a bartender. I was a nurse, a pediatric nurse. Wow. Years. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> oh, and um, my first, my very, very first job. I mean, I can I count when I was sixteen and I was like, I yeah, to work. sure. I used to work. Like, I got my first job at Burger King, the local Burger King. Okay. And then they were like, okay, you know, I mean, like me in the fry station wasn't working. I did drive through, but I was like, mm, you know, yeah. My job there every weekend, I was the one that would man and eat all the kid parties. Oh, you would? Yeah, so it was always like, um, I guess since I was younger, I was always something like, okay, you go talk to the people. <laughs> you're the, you know, you're the one that's going to be. Yeah, you're the people person. Yeah, so, I mean, we could, look, again, you need the personality for this business, and it just shows yeah. in your history of work that you, you know, you're, it's customer service. It's, you know, it's being around people. It's like helping people. So. Yeah. Between all of that, you know, nursing with the nurse and and the bottle service and Neiman's and you know yeah. fast food, all of that. So and and I feel like that is really what makes you shine um, a lot. And you know, you have to be this like extroverted go getter type of person to really make it in this business, you know. And I think you've learned that. Um, and you have to hustle and you have to be aggressive. Um, okay. Oh, and I forgot to mention, like the my my top 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 other uh, career. I'm I'm yep. also the DJ. Yes, the DJ. I was gonna ask you that. I was gonna say next, like, do you have any passions? You know, yes. Uh, yes. So tell us more about that gig and and you know and and how that ties in um, to your role, you know, in real estate and also being an agent. Yeah, so I, I'm a creative by heart, right? Uh, every I, I do very well when my clients are also creatives because it's like I'm a I'm more of a left brained uh, personality. Um, I I got a mentor in uh, for DJing because I've always wanted to do it, and we were like hanging out at the time. Uh, a bunch of me, me and me and a bunch of friends, and my my mentor, he was DJ Jeff Brown. He taught his girlfriend how to DJ, and I mean, she was just so masterful. Um, and I asked him, hey, can you train me? And he did, and it just turned into, I mean, I've been flown to Morocco to DJ weddings. I've been transported to uh, Canada, to Miami. And for a while, I was, I was a full-time uh, DJ. Wow. And when I came back, when I came into real estate, my first, uh, my first instinct, well, I had a, 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 you know, another real estate mentor at that time who felt, um, yeah, you know, you have to keep the, this, this DJ stuff hidden. 
Nobody's going to take you seriously. You want to get clients. You know, you're just kind of all over the place. And I felt like, you know, that part of me, um, I was giving gigs away. I was really not promoting myself as a DJ at all. And, um, you know, I've always felt like that there was like this secretive thing about it. Uh, fast forward, I know um, I was with the Eklund Gomes team for a while. And uh, Frederick Eklund, he's like the king of just being yourself. And when he found out that I was a DJ, he, he said, he pulled me aside and he was like, why are you hiding this? So I told him, I said, you know, I, I really want to break into these kind of markets and I, I want people to be serious and, you know, all this like hem and ha. He was like, you need to show this because this is what is setting you apart. And he, uh, he encouraged me to talk more about it. He encouraged me to post about it. He encouraged me to bring those two worlds together. And when I tell you, when, I, when those two worlds really connected, that's when everything took off. One of my most recent clients was somebody I met while we DJ together. Oh, wow. And we just closed on their townhouse in Bed-Stuy with him and his new wife and wow. so it's like you know imagine if that world wasn't part of my life that right. would be you know and how that world can enhance my life as a teacher right? right as a real estate agent i mean because at the end of it i just believe that the clients i have we don't we want to talk about more things again it's a very intimate process it's three to six months or maybe sometimes even a year if you're a buyer's agent of hand-holding uh you know finding out about this person's lifestyle finding out a perf you know what this person wants and people want to know that you can understand their why and I just don't think that they really trust you if you're just one dimensional, mm -hmm. right? right. Um, my other client, uh, she was a doctor. Uh, she quit at like, she was like 44, 45. Uh, she left and moved to uh, East, East Africa, um, sold her place. And, you know, she was like, we were all looking for another brownstone for her to have like a two family kind of rental situation in. And she told me all she wanted, she wanted a hula hoop room. Oh, okay. She wanted a hula hoop room. And she loved hula hooping. Even now that she's in Africa, she's like she's hula hooping everywhere. And it's just a, it's a beautiful thing to watch because you can see just utter joy come out from her when she's in this state. So of course, you know, single woman wants to buy a house on her own she wants a hula hoop room we're gonna get that hula hoop room some that's of, right the thing is like, some of these brownstones uh if they're in the old footprint that third bedroom is always somewhat narrow you can't really do too much in. not really big enough for a bedroom but the clock you know you don't want to just lose it to being a closet so you want something else especially when this is something that you're doing for yourself we used to go into some of these homes and I'm like, yeah, she needs this room for hula hooping and they'll be, their jaws would drop. But I don't think if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't powered mostly by my left brain, yeah, um, I probably, I too would have probably looked at her like, are you crazy? Because this is what, you know, this is why I say like my clients at this point, um, 
and we use the word client loosely in real estate, but like my clients would really go into a room and say, my real estate agent, X, Y, Z, you know, right. Because I don't think you get a lot of that where you have a true client relationship yeah. where, you know, I don't want, I'm not saying that they won't go to somebody else, but we've built such an intimate relationship of trust and getting to know each other that when it's time for them to transact again, the person to do it is me. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that also goes to show one, it's an expression of your creativity. It's an expression of your individuality, right? So, and people want to work with people that they like and that they relate to. And you're very relatable in that sense. So, you know, having clients feel like you understand them, you understand their needs, you know, you're not laughing at their requests and things like that really goes a long way in this business. And like you said, when they're going to think about their next sale or their next purchase, they're going to come back to you over, you know, a random uh, real estate agent that they don't know or share that relationship with. So yeah. I think it's so important, you know, as real estate professionals to have that other side um, that really that you let shine um, and you, you know, pursue, you know, those other passions that you have and, and DJing, especially if you're great at it, like you are, um, and you meet so many people, you know, that way um, as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. People, yeah. You know what? So people talk to talk more to like my DJ stage name is DJ Vidal. Yeah. People tell DJ Vidal way more than they tell Nadia <laughs> Hussey, the agent. Listen, right. Yeah. You know, if you're playing a song that somebody, you know, think about how our relationship with some songs are and you're out and you're like this DJ is playing a B-side song that you haven't heard in so long. And that you already know that this person like now you and this person can relate. And then connection. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to, you know, you get to talk some more and then it's like, oh, you're also a real estate agent. So it, it, it works. Um in so many ways and and yes uh like i, I think me being good at it helps too right like, exactly clearing out the dance floor <laughs> yes get every and look and people are happy you you know you're because you're behind the dj booth like you are making people dance you're making them happy you're making them like forget about all the worries and the stresses in yeah. their life and they're just having a good time and yeah. the fact that you can bring that to them you know is just like priceless yeah, um, and, and I'm bringing it to me too. Uh, yeah, you know, right. I was I used to work at a cellar bar at Ryan Park Hotel. For sure. After a long day, that's when I was a nurse, and I would leave yeah. nursing and go DJ, and it was just such a release. So I, I see that, and I can see why uh, it's also opened up a lot of doors for me in my real estate career. Yes. Um, and speaking of which, you also DJ like broker parties, broker yes. parties, new development parties, like you're, you know, so it's like, oh, I can sell this building and I can also DJ the broker party. Yeah, yeah I, I do a lot of new development, especially uh, one of my uh, closest friends. Uh, her name is Jessica Peters and she has a new development team. And um, we just kind of have this friendship collaboration where it's like, okay, we're both uh, real estate agents. I want her to succeed. Seed, uh, but if I could help her and be come in as an artist 
of course, you know, why not? And it's been the greatest, uh, it's been the greatest relationship uh, because it's like, we're not, you know, it also shows the brokers that you're never really on the opposing team. Right, you're not competitors. Yeah. No, no, she has, uh, she has her niche and um, I've brought buyers to her place and, you know, she, it's it's just a it's just an ongoing relationship. So that's always always fun. Yes. Well, and thanks to you, Jessica's going to be on the show as well. So I appreciate that intro because she's another you know powerhouse, and um, she uh, is is going to be um, a guest on the show as well. So with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with part two with Nadia Hasi Vidal. Whether you are a new buyer or a seasoned investor in the real estate market, you need top legal representation and expertise to ensure your transactions close smoothly and successfully. As someone whose priorities are communication, attention to detail, efficiency, and creative negotiation, TAB Law Firm provides hands-on, personalized service that focuses on clients' needs and peace of mind. After working with big corporate law firms, I realized their focus was on volume rather than nurturing and protecting their clients. I then decided to start my own firm 15 years ago to provide exceptional, personalized service that protects and informs my clients every step of the way. Most of my clients are looking for guidance, transparency, and clear communication throughout their real estate transaction. Making myself available to my clients is one of my top priorities, and my expertise allows me to foresee issues before they happen and avoid potential downfalls. This proactive approach safeguards my clients from incurring any additional expenses, delays, or stress. During the selling or buying process, efficiency is key. I keep all parties informed and organized, ensuring we close smoothly. I fancy myself as a deal maker, not a deal breaker. If you are looking to buy or sell real estate, or if you are a real estate broker looking for an attorney who's going to be communicative, efficient, and responsive to you and your clients, then contact me at tolly360.com. And let's start working together. Close with tab and feel fab. All right, that was a quick commercial break, a little tab firm, of course. Close with tab and feel fab. Yeah, close with tab and feel fab. That was actually my like BNI, you as you know, BNI, right? So um when you have to come up with your little slogan, you know, your elevator pitch slogan. So mine was close with tab and feel fab, and then it just stuck. That and you know, being a deal maker, not a deal breaker. So those are my those are my two slogans. No, and that's really true about you. I mean, one thing I always say of anybody I've ever recommended to you, I'm like, this girl, she, she knows her shit, and she doesn't talk in this, like, uh, you know, that lawyer language that you're like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? Because everybody, you, you see sometimes with lawyers, everybody's nodding their head, and we're all like, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And we turn around like, we don't know. You're like, what did they just say? Right. What did they I was like, where do I start, I guess? <laughs> right. No, I, yeah, you have to, you know, I try and, and break it down to layman's terms because, you know, at the end of the day, it's the client's money, their purchase, their transaction, and they have to understand what's going on. You know? Yeah. So I'm yeah. all about that. Yeah. Um, so Nadia, tell me, so, you know, what do you think as far as 
you know, pros and cons of working solo versus working with a team. So my understanding is you work solo, right? You're not a part of any team. Okay. So I want to know from you, from your experience, um, why you chose to work solo, you know, versus the team and, you know, pros and cons for each. Oh, well, I mean, I was on a team. I was, uh, you know, there, there was a time. So I was solo before. Then I went on a team. Um, and then I left the team. Uh, basically, I, there's a lot of pros to being on a team, right? Um, there is, you have a book of business. You have that support. We had, like, everything was done for us, down to our social media, down to our networking. And I was with a big-ass team. So that team was always able to give me leverage to, like, level up. So why did I leave? Yeah. <laughs> like, we were in uh, the midst of the pandemic, and the pandemic was just, you know, um, I felt uh, at one point I was with, a, you know, a team that I viewed as family. I had such great support with that team. And then uh, here we are, the world is shut down, and I was home alone. Uh, and I lost a lot of people during the pandemic. So it was just a, a, a time that I was just, like, not sure what I'm doing, where I'm going, um, and, you know, at that time, we didn't have direction either, uh, even being on a team. So somebody uh, just kept on telling me to, you know, bet on yourself, bet on yourself, like, you know, brand yourself. And um, and sometimes, you know, there's that, that other, there's a one voice is saying to go do it. And then the other voice is like, oh, but really, you know, like. Brand what? Like, who Who do you think you are? Um, so I left the team um, after, you know, wringing my hands and just said, yeah, I'm going to try to do this on my own. And the difference is, the difference between solo agent before team, you know, before the team was agent after the team, is I learned so much within the team that I just really had this urge to Take what I've learned about uh, branding, marketing, uh, just pushing myself. And I said, well, if I had this knowledge before, what would have happened, right? And um, right. I left, applied that. Of course, you know, after the pandemic, we were like, we were here, we were here, we were everywhere. But I would say that now, like, I'm in one of my best years yet, just using those tools. Um, so... What I would say with uh, being a solo agent, it takes a lot of accountability. It takes a lot of looking at yourself in the mirror and knowing, like <laughs> knowing you ain't do what you said you were going to do. And that's why, that's why this isn't. So it's like, you know, I give myself tasks. I give myself, you know, my, my marketing, my social media, all of those things, um, you know, while I'm doing a deal, I now have to make a post. I now have to get the, you know, the creative. And I have, because I am a creative by nature, I have to do those things. Because when I do, things happen. And when I don't, things don't. So um, the one thing about being a solo agent is just like accountability and really just like looking in the mirror and knowing, you know, you can tell yourself when you're falling short. And you don't have that team that could like absorb it or yeah, or pick up the slack. Yeah. yeah, there's nobody to say like, hey, you know what, Nadia, you know, you didn't do whatever last week. Or there's nobody to give you all these tasks or 
go show this mistake, go do that. If there's, it's all on me. And um, so sometimes, you know, I'll question like, oh my God, what have I done? Why did, you know, but other times it's very rewarding. So there's, um, there's this level of satisfaction that, you know, that, that you are holding yourself accountable, but it just takes that extra amount of work. It really does. So if from a time management perspective, being that you have to manage everything, you know, the showings, the, the listings, the marketing, you know, the open houses, everything from soup to nuts, how do you, do you have a special like um, regimen or mantra? Like how do you keep yourself so together and so on point with everything? Like what, what methodology do you follow? Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> a little liquor relief. <laughs> no. no, I'm, I'm completely joking when I say that, guys. Completely joking. No, but uh, yeah. So when for me, my regimen is this time blocking. Like I've learned a lot about time blocking and um, just keeping. What I used to do, so I'll tell you from how I time manage, right? Uh, I would have this list of clientele or transactions or people who want to transact. And I would say, okay, they seem ready. They should be on the back burner. You know, let me focus here and I'll get back to this. That was the most problematic thing I did, right? Um my office manager, uh, his name is Alex uh, Saltolomachi, at one point he said, he was like, no, you have these eight things. You need to figure out a way to have these eight things tended to each day. And you're going to time block yourself and you're going to deal with each one of them. Because guess what? The person who I felt that should be on the back burner <laughs> transacted before the person that I felt was ready to go. Oh, interesting. Okay. And the person I felt was ready to go got cold feet oh. and, you know, and, and, and put things aside. Now, what if I was putting all that focus on that, that person? Because, and, and for no reason, you really think of it, there was, um, what do we know about somebody else if they're ready, like the readiness of someone else in this, in, in this kind of industry, right? Right. We don't. No. We don't. Um, so here you are making these assumptions and again, because you're your own business, you're losing out. Yeah. Uh, so it's like once I really managed time blocking, time management, where everything, every day, these things get listed and every day something has to get, if it doesn't get crossed off, yeah. then those things on the bottom get put to the top. But whatever got crossed off, there's something else to do. And it, it just means that there's always work to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes we can get really complacent, which, which is easy, right? Because it's like, if we go to a job, I can go, you know, I just spoke to a friend of mine who's probably one of my biggest motivators to uh, my girlfriend, Esther. She said, look, I could go to work and I could teeter-totter around and my paycheck is going to be the same. Yeah. You can you can't do that. Yeah. Right. It's true. I can't. True. No. And you, yeah. What, what you put out is what you get back. And yeah. so if you're not putting forth the, the, the work and the time and the effort, then you're not getting paid. 
you know, and you're not closing those deals and you only have yourself to answer to, you know? Um, Yeah. So you need that. But when do you find time for you? Because we know that real estate never stops, right? Especially for you guys where, you know, weekends and after work hours are, you know, big, you know, opportunities to be showing property and taking clients around and, you know, you're getting calls and and requests and things like that. So how do you manage the time where you still have a balance, you know, for yourself in life um, when clients, you know, are demanding, you know, all of your time and attention? So how do you balance that? Same exact time blocking. If okay. on the calendar, if I want to do something for fun, it's on the calendar. Okay. Now, you know, we all want to have spon- spontaneous moments. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's in, like my work life balance is very important to me. Yeah. Without yeah. it, I'm, I'm a mad woman. Mm-hmm. So, the same way that uh, I time block those clients and those tasks, I time block my gym, I time block happy hour. With, with Kiko, with Talia, you know, and when I'm when I'm there, I know I could be present because all of those things was checked off. Yeah. Um, uh, for a lot of people, you know, like I, I've been, it's been criticized, right? Because mm-hmm. again, uh, but my life doesn't have a go with the flow. I can't. There is no flow if I don't go work. You are. <laughs> And if I don't allow myself, you know, um, just it, it's this anticipation of just looking forward to something that you're treating yourself to. Like if you think about just, uh, I hate bringing up the, you know, 2020 because that was like a terrible year for all of us. Yeah. One of the things that we lost in that is uh, that anticipation of a vacation, you know, that right. anticipation of, um, you know, somebody's going to have a cookout, there's going to be a rooftop party. So, you know, I'm going to do all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, there's happy hour with friends. We just didn't have any of that. Yeah. Um, so what I started doing is, you know, as much as I work, I probably, uh, I don't know, I work a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know no, how you're always working. I know you're always on the go and you're always working. And it's like, every time I talk to you, you're like, yep, I'm doing this. I'm on to that. I'm going here. I'm doing this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, but I play too. So it's um when I realized, like you know, I think uh, it was 2019, and that's where, like, I think before the pandemic, it was like I'm a workaholic. I don't have time. I have to work. I have to work. I have to work. And once I saw like that, that anticipation of having fun was taken away from us, right. I said I'm not gonna do it again. Yeah. Um, and then I had this like year of I think I read some Shonda Rhimes book, and I had that year of yes that any invite I was taking. Any insight I was taking and I was going to make time for it. And it it was exhausting, but it was, uh, it really just helped me put a lot of things into perspective. Um, Even uh, even your personalities of friendships that you make or friendships that you could nurture, because it's not just that we need to be outside with everyone. Yeah. We need to be outside with people who are also, we want to kind of put ourselves in with like-minded people. We want to put ourselves in with other people that's going to give us that motivation. And I mean, it sounds like, you know, it sounds so te- like, uh, you know, like self-helpy, but it's really not, right? Because I don't think as much as, as much as we've worked together, 
we've also connected on the personal level. Right. It wasn't even manufactured that say, hey, Talia, can you come motivate me? No, it was just that we had that good energy yeah. and that understanding that you have to work, I have to work, yeah. and now that we don't have to work, we can unplug, right. and it's something in the ether that just makes you enjoy that time with that person. Yes, exactly. And we feed off of each other's energy. So, you know, I think when you have, you know, positive, like-minded individuals with the same goals, then it's just so fluid and it becomes so easy. And I love what you said about, you know, any opportunity or any invite comes along, you take advantage of that. Because I always say that when opportunities present themselves, you have to be open to receive, um, but not attached to the outcome. Right. So you never know what's going to happen. You go in with no expectations and hopefully you're pleasantly surprised. But every opportunity that comes knocking, why wouldn't you open the door? Because it could lead to something wonderful. Right. And that's in business and in personal, you know, so and as working warrior women, um, we, you know, are always out, you know, just like pounding the pavement and meeting new people and networking. Um, And that's huge, you know, because growing your network is really where you're going to like grow your business and you're going to grow your expertise. Um, So and and grow personally and grow personally as well, right? Because you know, there's personal growth that, like, you know, a lot of times uh, I think we take, we're in a personal business, right? Uh, as much as like, you know, yes, you do law, but you're dealing in real estate law, that this is one of this, like the, the most, one of the biggest uh, transactional business transactions of somebody's life, right? Because of what it gives their family, because of what it gives their personal self. Right. So without this, like, we could be we can't we can't be masters in these fields without also uh, wanting to pour into ourselves and wanting to have that personal growth. And that's why I feel the socialized the socializing aspect of real estate has always been, you know, like we're one industry that everything has to have a party, a drink, a this, a, you know, because this is this is how you end up meeting new people how you end up transacting with new people right so um yeah i think uh, i've always been like lately just really in this uh uh zone of just wanting to stretch not just um business wise but but personal too it's this this great dynamic feeling that that i'm really enjoying that's that's amazing and that's so important and i love that um What what would you say has been the biggest lesson of your career? Like something that, you know, looking back on your, you know, journey through this real estate world that you would say, oh, you know, had I known this back then, I would have done things differently. What do you think has been the biggest lesson for you um, in your career? The biggest lesson in my career is really just being being confident in knowing what I know and being able to show up as my authentic self and knowing that the business that's going to come, you know, like the business will come to me. I think that where I've I've seen a lot of, um, I've always met those agents where um, there's this agent, I'm going to do something, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but nobody likes this guy. Nobody likes this guy. He knows it. 
and he, and he, he knows it. Uh, and um, I've learned that it doesn't pay to be cutthroat. And a lot of times, you know, we feel as if we have to, you know, do this and do that just to get ahead. But, you know, to be unliked, um, it, 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 it doesn't help your success. I'm not saying that I want to be so liked to get success. But once I said, like, I'm just going to be myself and what business I'm going to get, I will get it and I'll just be successful with that. Um, and if, you know, I remember there was a, when I first started in 2003, I felt so, I gave myself so much pressure to mold and try to fit. And it would make me be so nervous to a point I would have a listing presentation and I would know what I'm talking about, but I so much wanted to, you know, blend in or, or, act, you know, feel like I had to talk a certain talk or walk a certain walk. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, those were that I didn't cause. They, who was this person, right? It wasn't Nadia showing up and saying that, you know, I'm going to service your listing, but I'm going to service your listing as I would with my techniques, with my knowledge. Uh, so I think it all comes with, a, you know, some kind of experience. But I would have let go of that mask uh, so long ago, uh, knowing what I know now. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. That's that's great advice. And for agents that are looking to get started, you know, in this business, because um, as you said, you know, you will come up against other agents who are cutthroat, maybe on the other side, you know, of the deal. And, you know, what advice would you give to new agents really trying to break into maybe doing sales or doing more, um, you know, luxury, you know, uh, listings, things like that? What would be your best advice and guidance to them? Oh, I would tell them, you know, make friends, make friends. There's like, you know, there was this uh, ancient uh, adage that, you know, all, all real estate agents, everybody's competing against each other. So why bother? You know, it's not true. Uh, look at look at the relationship I have with Jessica Peters. Yeah. Look at my relationship with other, you know, power agents like Janet Tebadayo, Trevante Taylor. And, you know, we're actual friends where this is where this is where you climb up, right? This is where you get that off-market deal and you pick up the phone and say, look, what do you got coming up? I need help. You get access because, you know, you've built this relationship. So uh, a lot of times, you know, new agents, um, the other thing I would tell them too is go to a brokerage that could give you proper training and proper guidance. Right. A lot of times, you know, I think uh, real estate is big on recruiting and uh, – yeah. A lot of people will go to a brokerage that promises you, oh, you'll get 100%. But of what? You know, you have right. to be a desk fee. You don't have a manager that's helping you. You don't have any other senior agents that are, you know, uh, assisting you in growing your business. Because I'm telling you, since I've gotten my license, I've never had to, I've never had to use knowledge but a store acreage. When they ask you on the real estate test, like they ask you some silly questions like eminent domain. That's never come up. What has come up is relationships. Can you get me this deal? And guess what? The agent that nobody likes 
they're not going to be able to get you that deal as their buyer, as their buyer's agent, right? Because once they see that that offer come in, do I want to deal with this agent for three months? You know, he's a prick. Uh, you know, or right. like she she's uh, she's not a pleasant person. So get out there. If I had no business right now, what I'd be doing is I would go into every. I mean, the world is opened up again. Real estate. We we have events. You know, be be known. Put your face out there. Meet people. Um, and then that's how you end up building uh, your circle, uh, your your real estate tribe of uh, people that. When you do get a client, when you do get a buyer, you've already met a couple of of lawyers that you don't have to, you know, that that referral email could go in and that person knows you and will take care of your clients. So, um, you know, they say this business, there's nothing more. Networking is really important here, you know, um, in real estate, more than any other business, because like, you can't. You just can't do it without the support of your other co-broker. You know, co-brokers, your other lawyers. People yeah. have to be able to vouch for you. Right. Um, and one of the biggest things of, that I've always said is I've always wanted to become vouchable. I, I don't know if that's a word, but. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, look, your reputation precedes you, right? So it's, you want people to associate your name, you know, with somebody that they want to work with, somebody that's, you know, um, kind and, and, you know, fun and real and professional and all of those things, because that's really what's going to get you that reputation and the success um, in this in this business. So I wanted to say thank you so much for joining uh, me today. And thanks for being my first guest. You like cracked the code. Um, and <laughs> so happy. And thanks for sharing, you know, the wealth of knowledge and your experience and, and everything today. If uh, those who are watching and everybody that's out there, the best way to connect with you, um, please share either your Instagram handle or the best way to connect with you. Okay, so on Instagram, I am Nadia and the city. There's a dot between each one, but once you put Nadia dot, I pop up. I'm there. Um, and then you could look me up on corporate website at Nadia Hussey. And then you could email me at Nadia Hussey at corporate.com. Let's chat. All right. Thank you so much, Nadia. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And I will see you at the next closing table. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Tal. Thanks. Bye. You've been tuning into Real Estate Powerhouse live on Tap Talks with your host attorney, Talia Bashani. For more information, please visit Tali360.com. You can watch this show streaming live on StreamYard and available across all social media outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook Live, and more. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, and questions, and please share this show with your network. 